the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In last week's sermon, we concluded with these words, and these words are taken from the pre-sanctified liturgy, a hymn from that service in our Eastern Rite churches. The words are this, when fasting in body, let us also fast in spirit. Let us loose the bonds of iniquity. Let us undo the chains of injustice. Let us break every yoke of the oppressor. Because today's message to us is kind of a part two of that, let me summarize last week's message that the Lord gave to set the foundation for where we're going and how we're going to continue. Last week in our gospel reading, our Lord Jesus Christ, after his baptism, was led by the Holy Spirit for, to fast for 40 days in the wilderness. And after that 40 days, Christ met with the temptations of Satan in order that he may overcome and overthrow our tempter. And in doing so, those 40 days of fasting and overcoming Satan, he forged the path. He paved or cleared the path for us to walk in that we might have a share in his victory over the tempter right now in our lives. And we remember this very quickly, that those 40 days he forged, as Father said in his teaching last week, so very early in the earliest years of the church became the 40 days of Lent where we fast and pray to gain that self-control, to overcome Satan by the grace of God in our lives. Jesus never needed to fast for 40 days to overcome Satan. He always had power and authority over Satan, for he never lost his divinity. He didn't need 40 days of fasting. He knew we would. There's so many times in the scripture, even Jesus says, when I'm wrong, we'll fast. He knew what we need. And so for the 40 days fast and we pray. And unlike Jesus who ate nothing for 40 days and drank nothing, we're asked simply to cut back on portions and abstain from certain types of food. That's our fast. What the fast creates in us, when we begin fasting, there are cravings of what our bodies are used to, remember? Cravings well up in us. Of desires, things that we are used to having, but that we don't need. Because like Jesus said to Satan, all we need are the words that come from our Heavenly Father. And so we take those cravings for food and we place them under submission to God by His grace during the fast. And we submit to the direction of Christ in our lives to pray and fast during this time. But again... Fasting from food is only part of what Christ wants us to do to provide this great work of the increase of self-control in our lives. While we're fasting from the food and subduing these cravings, not letting them subdue us, when Satan the tempter comes in our ears during Lent, and he will often, when he comes and whispers those temptations in our ears, asking us, trying to get us to go after the things that for some reason we have a pattern of craving that's grown in us, by our own brokenness. We're to take those temptations in the same action as we do with the fasting from food. We subject those cravings to Jesus Christ and we command Satan to get away from us because all we need is the words that come from our Lord and our God. And in this way, 
In this way, as we fast in body, Christ our God, by His grace, by His divine power in us, is growing and He is blossoming the fruit of the Holy Spirit's self-control in our lives. So as we fast in body, we are also fast in spirit with those temptations. Again, as the hymn said, loosening the bonds of our iniquity and breaking the yoke of the oppressor. Today, we're going to focus completely on fasting in spirit. That portion of our fast, which is our bringing those common temptations that Satan throws our way, which, by the way, are directed to the most broken and not yet healed parts of our souls. That's where he goes. And we bring those cravings into submission of the will of God because we've heard His voice that we don't need those things. Those temptations, they stir up all of these healthy cravings, again, that we've lived a life developing a yearning for. But absolutely, we'll never need and indeed do great harm to our soul. You know, it's kind of like this. Think of it this way. Through fasting, both in body and in spirit, the Lord is changing our spiritual taste buds to where we change from the desire of the things we've always craved to the things that are holy and good and righteous and eternal. And last week I asked all of us, are we not tired and exhausted from falling all the time to the same besetting sins? Kind of like a leaf that's detached from a branch that's fallen off a tree and whichever the way the wind blows, there the leaf goes. No control whatsoever. Right? That's how most of we have that in our lives. But today we continue to learn how Christ desires that we be transformed from the leaf that's floating all over the place into a great branch that is firmly engrafted into the vine, our Lord Jesus Christ, as we fast and pray both in body and spirit. And these branches, they are not blown so easy by the wind of every temptation Satan throws our way. Listen to the words of Blessed St. Paul from our epistle reading today in 1 Thessalonians. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. What's His will? Your sanctification. What does that word mean? The word sanctification, it means your consecration. Your being set apart to Him. Your purification. You're being purified by the Spirit within you. You becoming like our God. You becoming holy, as the scripture said, as God is holy. That's sanctification. It's our theosis. That's the will of God for us. And he says that each of you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. St. Paul is speaking to the church of Thessalonica specifically regarding the issue of sexual immorality. But it's what Christ through St. Paul is teaching all of us to do with these cravings. It's not only applicable to those temptations of sexual immorality and lust, but absolutely to every one of our disordered cravings, our disordered passions that each and every one of us struggle with in our lives. St. Paul is saying, all of you, listen. Possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor. You know, the church fathers tell us that Paul is sending and basically teaching two different messages all at once when he says that we should possess our own vessels. 
The first one that we're not going to talk about today, more the second, but the first one is this, that to consider your spouse the vessel. Consider your spouse the vessel. We are not to bring the twisted sexual lust of this present world into the marriage bed to infect that union. That a man and wife treat one another in holiness and sanctification and honor regarding that great gift that God has given to us. To show forth His glory and to grant us the great benefit, if He so wills, of sharing in His ability to create. A beautiful thing, that is. Today we focus on the second meaning the fathers talk about. St. Ambrose is one of them that says we ought to possess this vessel. We ought to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor with self-control and honor to God for what He has created and by virtue of our baptism, what He has recreated, protecting, treating our soul as if it is as precious to us as it is to God Almighty who gave it to us. We possess ourselves. Self-control we're talking about. What does it look like, this action of possessing ourselves in times of temptation? We return to the words of St. Paul that he gave us. I think it was a week or two before the first Sunday of Lent during our pre-Lent preparation for Lent. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, St. Paul speaks about athletes, about athletes running a race. He says they prepare themselves with great disciplines so that when the race is on, their bodies will not fail them and they will press forward with endurance to obtain the prize and experience the victory. Put this into context for us during Lent. Our fasting and our increased prayer and fellowship with God joined together during these 40 days of Lent are our great disciplines of the athlete. The disciplines he's given us because he knows that they'll make us strong. Because guess what? When temptations hit, the gun has gone off. The race is on. And we must run with endurance gain from the great disciplines through our prayer and our fasting. And then St. Paul says about himself and to all of us, this very idea speaks up in our passage today to the possessing of our own vessels. Listen to his words. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. What does that phrase mean? Listen to this. It's beautiful in the language. And it's strong. I discipline my body means this. I, with the grace of God, I subdue my cravings. I rule over them, not the other way around. That's what it means to bring our bodies into subjection and discipline. He even says that, that we discipline our bodies. He disciplines his body, bringing it into subjection to his Lord and God, Jesus Christ. When Satan comes with his thoughts of temptation, temptations, there's going to be only one of two possible outcomes. Number one, we will either be subjected to them. We will subject ourselves to them. In other words, it will be that leaf blowing in the wind. That's one thing that will happen. Or the other is this. Christ being within me, I stand firm and I subject those thoughts and temptations to Christ my God in those very moments and I will not be moved. And that, my friends, is what it is to possess our own vessels when Satan comes with his temptations. 
This idea of standing firm in this way to possess our own vessels is, is talked about so many times in the epistles. St. Paul in Ephesians 6, that great chapter on putting on the full armor of God for times such as these. Listen to his words. He says, be strong in the Lord, not separate from God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He doesn't say be strong in your power. <clears throat> he, said, he doesn't say you fight alone. He says, be strong in Christ, in the power of his might. He says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And when he says stand against the wiles of the devil, he's using military terminology that we'll go on to use again in this chapter. With all of this blessed equipment. When he says stand, it's this. It's someone who stands so firm that just by how secure they are in their stance... They vanquish their enemies. The enemies have no way to move them. You see? Stand therefore, St. Paul then says, having girded your loins with truth. What does that mean, gird your loins with truth? St. Paul, we all know this was fascinating, with Roman military disciplines and training. He mentions it all throughout his writings and teachings. And in chapter, when he says, gird your loins, the, learned, the loins were around the midsection. And if anyone knows in athletics about the midsection, whether it's boxing or offensive linemen in an NFL or anything, it is the midsection that is your strength and it is your stability. And if the midsection is off balance, you will lose. And the Roman military, they understood this full well. The Romans knew and they trained this way that in hand-to-hand -hand combat, the stance of a soldier against his enemy would determine literally whether he would live or die in that moment. And our stance is the strength and the power and the authority of the living Lord Jesus Christ who dwells in us and listening to every word that comes out of his mouth, directing us and showing us the way of escape in the moments of temptation. St. James also speaks to this in his epistle in chapter 4. He says, therefore, beloved, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And in all truth, hear this. We need to see that both resisting the devil and drawing near to God are two of the same motions of what it is to gird our loins and stand firm when temptations come upon us. When Satan's temptations come, my friends, the last thing that you and I want to do is to be found fighting alone. Rather, instead, instead of uniting myself, joining myself to the thought and temptation, in that moment of temptation, I unite and I bind myself to Jesus Christ and I experience his victory as I watch Satan flee from me and I go on with my life. Temptation after temptation, over and over again. I love how St. Porphyrius puts this, this great fight. Listen to how he describes the standing firm and fight against Satan and his temptations. He says, when a bad or gloomy thought, fear or temptation threatens to afflict you, don't try to fight it and get rid of it yourselves alone. Listen to his antidote. 
Open your arms to Christ's love, and He will embrace you. Then it will vanish by itself. Talk about bringing Christ into the moment. Open our lives to Him and watch what He'll do in the face of temptation. That's the real meaning of standing firm. To stand firm, keeping my feet on the foundation of Jesus Christ who will hold me steady and show me that way of escape. And when that happens, we open our hearts to the divine grace and power and authority of Christ that's truly there to throw down our tempter. In fact, when this happens, it's actually the deceiver that we will find becomes deceived because he comes to us like he came to Jesus perceiving that we are weak. And I'm going to tell you this, that's the only part he's right about. Perceiving that we are weak. But when he comes and encounters one who's opened their hearts to Christ, he is encountered with the power and authority of Jesus Christ and the vessel he just came to. Do you understand this? This isn't intellectual thinking. This is personhood of being. God. Almighty God. Christ the overcomer of death and hell and Satan, abides in me. Let Satan be met with the power and authority of Christ in your life. Try, stop trying to swing and beat at the air yourself over your besetting sins. Open your heart to Christ in a moment of temptation and let him do the battle and keep you firmly planted in. That's the warrior. That's the Christian warrior. A monastic in the 5th century, Cassiodorus, Listen to his blessed prayer in times of temptation. Lord, you truly know how weak we are. You recognize the nature of the foe who oppresses us. In our uneven contest and our mortal weakness, we seek you. For the glory shines forth and returns to you if that roaring lion is overcome by the feeble sheep. <clears throat> Enough. During this Lent, I pray that our hearts will cry out enough of living from an identity that's so lesser and foreign to who we have both been created and recreated by Christ to be in this moment now. We are not baptized and filled with the life of the Holy Spirit, given the sonship and daughtership to the living God, the Alpha and the Omega, to so quickly be given in to every temptation that Satan blows into our ears. Rather, in this season, let us pray and fast the very prescriptions that Christ our God has always given His church. Overcoming the cravings for the food that we're used to but don't need in this way. In that way, we fast in our body. And when Satan comes with those temptations, we open our hearts to Christ and stand firm like we've been talking about today. In this way, let us fast in spirit during this season. If we will do both. Christ will turn you into a strong branch, engrafted in him firmly. And the fruit born of Christ and his kingdom through you, that strong branch, will not only bring you joy, it will save many. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.